<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, February 12th, 2024. Congressman Andy Biggs from the state of Arizona joins us from a deserted Lincoln's birthday holiday, deserted Capitol Hill. Congressman, thank you for working today. Although I've always thought our liberty and property is safer when Congress is not working, but you're the only one there. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for coming on uh, to chat with us. What is the status uh, of uh, aid to Ukraine? Not how much has been sent, we already know, but this next tranche that the president wants, which seems to be around $61 billion, what is the status of that, Congressman Biggs, on Capitol Hill? It passed out of the Senate yesterday and is due to come to the House. Um, I, I'm hoping that the Speaker will uh, prevent that from happening. I'm, I'm not very sanguine about it, but I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, there are a lot of people here who want to stop that. Um, there are a lot of people that want to leverage it for this or that. Maybe they want to leverage it for the border. I just want to stop it. I just want to stop it. It's $61 billion. And judge, we're paying for everything from seeds for their farmers to their government their retirement system. Wow. Uh, it's, it is a total um, expansion of, of purpose as well as dollars going to Ukraine when, we, when we're, as you know, on, on pace to be, uh, I think it's within 30 or 45 days, we will be at $35 trillion in national wow. debt. Wow. So the money we're spending is obviously borrowed. And yes. the money is going directly, uh, as you indicated, to pay Ukrainian industry, individuals, and government. They've almost become a vassal state. And, of course, some of the money is going to the, the infamous uh, military-industrial complex to compensate them to make new weapons for us because of the weapons we already own, which we've sent to them, sort of a, a, a musical chairs. Uh, I'm very disappointed. I was going to raise this at the end, but since you mentioned it, uh, in Speaker Johnson, no criticism of you and our small government friends who were, I think, uh, largely responsible for him getting uh, elected. But it seems to me as soon as he got in office, he's uh, the same as Kevin McCarthy, not not as glib, not as communicative to uh, the press. And, and the spending is like the Pelosi days. Am I, am I missing something here, Congressman? Well, uh, so 
I will tell you that it, it, there's a lot of lessons that I've learned from this. Number one is that the uh, DC cartel is, is incredibly powerful. And uh, Mike Johnson, who is, I've known him for years, sat next to him on judiciary for years. He is a movement conservative, but, um, and I've told him this, I don't mind saying this publicly. I've told him that Mike, you wake up as a conservative every morning, but by, by noon, you're looking for your spine and uh, we need you to be courageous. I, I tell him, you know, because he's very concerned he's going to lose all the time. I said, look, I would rather fight and lose than surrender and lose, because at least if you fight and lose, there are some positive things that come with it, not the least of which is you actually will win sometimes. You won't lose every time. The second thing is everybody will know that there's a distinction between the the DC cartel, the, the Uniparty, whatever you want to call it, and, the, and an institution that is embedded in corruption and people who want to stand up and fight for freedom and liberty. So I, I know what the deep state is. I know what the military industrial complex is. I know what the Uniparty is, but what's the DC cartel? Is it another name for the same things that I'm, I'm characterizing or is it a different group of people? It, it is, this, it is the, the way I characterize the same thing, because I view it as uh, our government, its ties to media, its ties to the lobbyists, its ties to the military industrial complex, the educational industrial complex. All of these things have been cartelized. That, that is to say, um, we've, we've created this uh, rubric, uh, this cartel that's wrapped itself around the institutions which are meant to govern this country. I don't want, I don't want you to think I'm getting personal with Congressman or with Speaker Johnson. Uh, but was he this way when he was plain old Congressman Johnson? Did he change when the mantle of power was put on his shoulders? Did he become an elitist? I, I don't think he became an elitist. I think he became nervous. Is what is the way I characterize it. I mean, he was. Uh, you know, he was conservative, but he, he tried to to kind of play a little bit less uh, out there than I do. But but he was conservative. But the reality is he's gotten very nervous. So we've got we deal with the FISA thing, Judge, which which I know you know all about. But his deal on the FISA thing is this. It's it's he he was he's for all the whole time he was with us on judiciary. He was with us on warrant requirements. He was with us on Fourth Amendment not for sale stuff. He was with us on all of those things. He became speaker and the Intel Committee and the cartel again, because the, the Intel Committee is part of the cartel. They came in and they basically told him, you will be responsible for any terrorist attack in the US because you're going to take away one of our big tools. Wow. And he doesn't care about the constitution as he once did before he had the speaker's job. I'm going to play a clip of uh, President Biden uh, asking for more money for Ukraine. I don't know if this is aimed at you, the conservatives, the libertarians, uh, the main, the moderate Republicans, the Speaker Johnson Republicans, but this is uh, about a week old. This bill would also address two other important priorities. First, it provides urgent funding for Ukraine. I'm wearing my Ukraine tie, my Ukraine pin, which I've been wearing because they're, they're in dire straits right now defending themselves against a Russian onslaught, a brutal conquest. 
The clock is ticking. Every week, every month that passes without new aid Ukraine means fewer artillery shells, fewer defense air, air defense systems, fewer tools for Ukraine to defend itself against this Russian onslaught. Just what Putin wants. In one of his uh, clips, he said, if Putin takes Ukraine, what will stop him from going to Poland? Putin doesn't want to take Ukraine. The last thing in the world Russia wants is to have to govern Ukraine, and they have no bone to pick uh, with Poland. I think the president is just trying to scare people. Question, does that work on members of Congress? Does it work on Republicans? Does it work on small government Republicans? It works on some of them. It works on some of them. But don't don't forget, you're exactly right, Judge. I've been saying for a couple of years now that Putin does not wish to take all of Ukraine. What he wishes to do is he wants to get Crimea back and the Donbass region. That's really what they wanted because that's what they believed was their historical claim. Ukraine disputed that claim, but instead of leading to some kind of peaceful negotiations, um, this president actually is a warmonger and encouraged the fight, just like we have members of the U.S. Senate and in, even in the House encouraging a fight. And there's no purpose for the U.S., really no, no strategic interest. And so as I asked for that very beginning, as we were getting into that, I said, what, what is our strategic purpose? What is our mission? What is our goal? What is our objective? And when you know what they said, Judge, they changed it from we're going to help our ally and our friend. Well, technically, the, Ukraine is not our ally. Um, and maybe they're a friend. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. Um, but ultimately, they, they let the cat out of the bag. This, these guys want regime change in Russia. Right. And, and, they, and they want to use Ukraine as a battering ram. Right. So we 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 have uh, all been aware of um, media reports uh, and comments by the negotiators that an agreement was negotiated between Ukraine and Russia two years ago, literally in March of 22, which would have prevented all this uh, bloodshed. Uh, in his interview with uh, Vladimir Putin, Tucker Carlson asked uh, President Putin about it, and he acknowledged that you'll see this in a minute. He holds his fingers up, showing they're about an inch apart as to how thick and detailed the agreement was, how it was signed, how it was initialed. And then Boris Johnson, at the behest of Joe Biden, Boris was uh, Mr. Johnson was then the great uh, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, came in and said, Oh, don't do it, don't do it. Uh, we got your back. UK and US have your back, and 500,000 dead Ukrainians. Uh, later, here's where we are. So let me play this clip with uh, Tucker Carlson asking President uh, Putin uh, about this very issue. Can you imagine a scenario where you sent Russian troops to Poland? Only in one case, if Poland attacks Russia. Why? Because we have no interest in Poland, Latvia or anywhere else. Why would we do that? We simply don't have any interest. It's just threat-mongering. So I just want to make sure I'm not misunderstanding what you're saying. I don't think that I am. I think you're saying you want a negotiated settlement to what's happening in Ukraine. Right. And we made it. We prepared a huge document in Istanbul 
that was initialed by the head of the Ukrainian delegation. He affixed his signature to some of the provisions, not to all of it. He put his signature and then he himself said, we were ready to sign it and the war would have been over long ago, 18 months ago. However, Prime Minister Johnson came, talked us out of it, and we missed that chance. I think you're right when you said Joe Biden is a, is a warmonger. I don't know if he personally is a warmonger, but he is certainly controlled by those around him uh, who are. And many of them are Republicans in the Congress, sadly. Yeah, that's that's right, Judge. And and, and here's the problem, because um, they they actually some people have said this. This is a chance for us to burn through our our used and older stockpile and inventory of material and then build it back up with newer next generation material. Um, to me, that is a, the wrong way to view war. I mean, war is a is. It is just a horrible waste of human life, property, economy, uh, society, culture, everything. And what they did is they chose, uh, when I say they, I'm talking about the UK and US leadership at the time. They chose to actually encourage uh, and foster greater war instead of moving into, um, and I hear I sound like a dove, but I mean, instead of actually encouraging um, peace negotiations, which it sounds like, and I'd heard this before, that there actually was negotiations um, uh, in 2022 to resolve the, the issues. Why not encourage that? Why not encourage that? And there's just, there's just no justification right now for not doing that. And, and they can't defend themselves. While we're talking about talking, Here's Tucker Carlson asking uh, President Putin, uh, have you picked up the phone and called Joe Biden? Watch this. And so why don't you just call Biden and say, let's work this out? What's there to work out? It's very simple. I repeat, we have contacts through various agencies. I will tell you what we are saying on this matter and what we are conveying to the US leadership. If you really want to stop fighting, you need to stop supplying weapons. It will be over within a few weeks. That's it. And then we can agree on some terms. Before you do that, stop. What's easier? Why would I call him? What should I talk to him about? Or beg him for what? And, and what messages do you get back? You're going to deliver such and such weapons to Ukraine? Oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, please don't. What is there to talk about? See, I think uh, people like you and, and the people watching us now have the same attitude as war only a last resort and only defensive. But the neocons around the president and the neocons in the, in the Congress want to use this. I'll use the phrase I used before as a battering ram to drive him from office. In fact, it's had the opposite result. You're an economist. Uh, and you know the Russian economy is humming along better than it was and more independent than it was before the uh, sanctions were imposed. They have a draft, they're fighting a war, and they're making more money than they were three years ago. Go figure, Joe Biden. Yeah, that, it, 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 that is a remarkable 
a remarkable uh, data point because you're right. Most of their economy, the Russian economy, is driven by oil and gas, right? Right. So what we did is something that was strategically indefensible. We put sanctions on them when what really would have happened, uh, which would have damaged the Russian economy, which was curtailing the Russian economy pre-war, was we unleashed our own energy economy. And by unleashing our own energy economy, guess what? That's, that really caused problems in Russia because we could sell more. We sold more uh, liquid nat uh, natural gas than any place else. We sold it cheaper. We could deliver it cheaper. And it benefited our economy um, and really helped our economy. But it also uh, put the squeeze on Russia. Now, what's happened, you know, I don't want to get into too much, but what's happened is uh, quietly, um, the, the, this Biden administration, these Green New Dealers have had to realize that in an election year, they have to try to ease some of the, the energy uh, development. So they've eased some of that energy development. So we're starting to produce more oil and gas again. Um, but that will take a little bit of time before it actually puts some constraints back on Russia. And that isn't why they're doing it to begin with. They're doing it because the prices are so high in our economy because of a bad Biden policy and interference into the economy in that way. Why isn't Congress screaming that the president makes war without consulting uh, Congress? You had three unfortunate Georgia National Guardsmen, one was a woman, uh, killed in a godforsaken place called Tower 22 in the middle of nowhere at the border of uh, uh, Syria and Jordan. I don't know what, why the troops are even there. But in response, uh, Joe Biden has set off 85 separate uh, attacks uh, in the Middle East. Over the weekend, uh, Biden's uh, attacks killed the head of a militia group in Iraq who had already told his militia members, stand down. We're not getting involved in a fight with the United States. They killed him anyway. Shouldn't Congress be consulted before this type of uh, war is engaged upon? Yeah, Judge, we... Some of us in the, the War Powers Caucus, which is bipartisan, myself, Ro Khanna, some others, uh, Ro Khanna being a Democrat from California, uh, we wrote a letter. We wrote a letter to the, to the president saying, hey, you need to come to Congress. You, cannot, you can't just go out there willy-nilly and act like you have authorities. What, and we, we requested he answer questions. Tell us what authority you're acting under. My guess is he thinks he's acting, acting under uh, either 2000, probably the 2001 AUMF, which he believes is broadly construed. But the the bottom the bottom line is, he should be back at Congress, and we and then justify why our our soldiers and troops are we, we've got a thousand uh, here, two thousand there, we've got thousands all over the Middle East. We've had over 170 attacks on our locales where our men and women are are working. And the question is, what, what are we gaining from that? What, what does the U.S. get from that? Um, we, we were much more stable in the region when we, were, when we were issuing specific sanctions against Iran. And we entered, uh, you saw the entrance into the Abraham Accords. And um, we were energy independent. And we could use um, soft power to bring uh, stability to the Middle East. 
But this notion of just keeping a military buildup there, it really doesn't actually bring stability to the Middle East. In some instances, it may actually increase the instability. Why doesn't Biden stop the slaughter in Gaza? All he has to do is pick up the phone and call Prime Minister Netanyahu and say enough's enough. He's not going to do that. Um, it, that's a political question for him as much as anything else. And he's, you know, I, I will tell you that uh, uh, the, the pro-Gaza folks and the pro-Israel folks that are in the Democrat Party, uh, they've put Joe Biden into a box. And by putting himself, and, and Biden kind of put himself into that box. And so there is no political win that he can see. Um, so uh, he's, and this is assuming he's making the decisions, Judge. Let's just let's just not kid ourselves too much. Right. This is assuming he's making the decisions. He's got a he's got a political box that he can't get out of right now, and that's that's what's driving that. Um, just to lighten things up before we end, as promised, we talked about this before we came on air. Uh, one of Thomas Jefferson's successors as Secretary of State commenting on the interview between Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin. What does that tell you about Tucker Carlson and right-wing media and also Vladimir Putin? Well, it shows me what I think we've all known. He's what's called a useful idiot. I mean, if you actually read translations of what's being said on Russian media, they make fun of him. I mean, he's like a puppy dog. You know, he somehow has, after having been fired from so many outlets in the United States, he, uh, I would not be surprised uh, if he emerges with a contract with a Russian outlet. <laughs> not surprised. Yeah, I mean, Judge, uh, when you told me we we're going to have a clip of a former Secretary of State, um, you want to know who a useful idiot was? It was, uh, it was Ms. Hillary Clinton, who was Secretary of State, and we took over a little Staples button. Remember that? She's trying to get this right. thing. We're going to have a reset with Russia. Right. How embarrassing, childish, and immature. And it's reflective of the entire administration's feckless approach to foreign affairs, in my opinion. Because I look at it and I say, these people think if you know the name of a country, the name of the capital, and roughly where it is located on the globe, you're qualified to be the Secretary of State. With When you have no capacity to appreciate history, historical relationships, and um, the realist sentiment that basically every other nation interprets uh, uh, international relations with. Those nations in, are realists. We're this goofy bunch of neoliberal institutionalists that believe multilateral institutions really can save us. But the bad people in the world, the tough people in the world, they're realists. And um, Hillary Clinton and the Biden administration, terrible, terrible foreign policy. They've made the world less safe. Congressman Andy Biggs, always a pleasure, my dear friend. I hope you'll uh, come back and uh, visit us. We've tried to get this to happen, but uh, the speaker doesn't want to come on the show. Maybe if you catch him at an off moment, you can twist his arm. <laughs> uh, I'll put a word in for you, Judge. Thank you, Congressman. All the best. Keep, keep going with that war powers group, because the most dangerous thing the president does is when he starts his own wars. We all Absolutely. know that. Yes. All the best, Congressman. Thank you so much, Judge. Talk to you soon. Of course. 
all of your uh, favorites coming on for the rest uh, of the week. Scott Ritter, Colonel McGregor, Aaron Matei, Max Blumenthal, Professor Sachs, uh, Professor Mearsheimer, and of course the uh, Intel Roundtable at the end of the week. Justin Napolitano for Judging Freedom. <laughs>